Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Happy Sunday, everyone, and thank you for joining me once again for the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, dating specialist and founder of singleinthecity.ca, joined by my lovely friend, Joan Kelly Walker. Joan is a philanthropist. She's also a media personality, and you can see her in magazines all across the nation. I love your latest spread, by the way. OMG, I love that dress. You look so gorgeous, Joan. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. It was, it, you know, the whole team of hair, makeup, stylists, everybody was there working on it. So I know, I but I mean, you have, any credit. you have to show up though, right? Like you, just the facial expressions, the way you posed, you're just so beautiful and elegant. And, and oh, it, the, it was in the Living Lux magazine, I believe. Yes, yes. I had a great time. I had so much fun doing that shoot. It was awesome. I'm still waiting for a cover. I'm still waiting for a cover. <laughs> do, you, do you know anybody? <laughs> All right. How do you put yourselves back out there after the end of a relationship? Tonight's guest, Noel McDermott, is hoping to share some insight that will help divorcees work through this. Noel is a psychotherapist with over 25 years' experience in health, social care, and education. So tonight we're going to be discussing when and how you can tell if it's time for a relationship to end, how to know if you're ready to date again afterwards, and how to pursue healthy relationships that last. Well, thank you for joining us tonight, Noel. Hi. Thanks Thanks for inviting me on. Well, I'm all the way over in Europe at the moment, so it's very exciting to be talking to you guys over in uh, Canada in Toronto, I believe you are. Yes, so thank you so much for being on the show. Now, as we move out of the pandemic, well, I hope so anyways. (laughs) As we move out of the pandemic, many people are going to be taking another look at their relationships, many of which held on because of the situation that we found ourselves in. So how important do you think it is to do a relationship check-in and to see if uh, this is what the both of you truly want? Because we are seeing a lot of relationships end right now. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic has been a bit of a truth drop when it comes to relationships. Truth I think drop, about it, I love that. Truth, truth drop. drop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and because um, one of the things about the pandemic is that it asked us to think about what is really important in our lives. Um, and the things that turned out to be the most important things, the things that we wanted to hold on to, um, were the love relationships that we have. And I mean the whole range of love relationships, not just the uh, intimacy partner relationships, but our family, our friends, our children, etc. Um, they became the things that became the most important aspect of our lives. And quite rightly so, and I think we've got a, a big focus on that. And I think what we found in the evidence is with this, that um, relationships, intimate relationships between loving adults, um, that were on rocky ground anywhere, anyway, prior to the pandemic, um, really foundered quite significantly during that period of time. Um, but those grew really strong. Um, and so, particularly a lot of guys, this is really interesting, a lot mm-hmm. of guys have been saying to me that they've really enjoyed the fact of being with their families um, and working from home with their families. Uh, and they're deeply ambivalent about 
that are going back into the workplace and um, having to work in that way again. Um, and that's been a sort of surprising and interesting thing that we've discovered. Um, but I think if there were any underlying problems in your relationship, this last 19 months have brought them to the fore. Um, and maybe necessarily so, um, because maybe we shouldn't be settling for relationships that don't meet our needs. Um, and now is a good time to sort of think about those and think about um, how we get those very important needs met. Um, and you, you talked about doing a relationship check-in. I call it an MOT, which is a sort of British thing. We have this thing called a, a Ministry of Transport checkup that you have to do on your car every year to make sure that it's safe to drive on the road. Um, and I think something similar should happen with our relationships. We should have a, a regular health check on them um, to make sure that all the bits and bobs that make relationships work are sort of working well for us. Um, and so I think it's a really good habit for people to get into and go, well, is this relationship working for us? So what advice then would you give someone, like after having said that, if if they want to try and save the relationship and the relationship isn't really going so well at the moment? Okay, so there are indicators of when a relationship is over and then there are indicators of a relationship that's just a challenge but you can work on it. And I think some of those sort of red flags, which is I think a term most people know now, uh, that exist, um, which tell you that it's probably time to move on. Or things like, well, definitely if there's any violence, it's time to move on. But more broadly, if you're involved with somebody who's controlling and angry and uh, all the time, uh, then I think it's time to move on because it's very difficult to live with that. Similarly, if there are issues around active addiction and denial of that on the part of your partner, um, you need to really think about um, getting out of dodge on that one. Um, so those types of issues, if they exist, um, uh, there's not much you can do really to repair that stuff because um, the work needs to be done by the, the perpetrator. It's not a relationship. Somebody in that sort of state isn't relating and you're not in a relationship to them. Um, they're, they're somewhere else inside themselves and they're not relating to you. Um, outside of that, the basic rule, I suppose, is something like this. Um, if you haven't reached the point where the background noise is always doom and gloom, if you're not quite there, and if both of you recognise that you want the relationship to work, and if both of you recognise that um, you're equal partners in either working or not working, and you're both committed to change and finding out how to make things successful, um, then it's possible, you know. Um, but it has to be an equal sort of engagement from both parties. Um, and and people need to be relatively honest um, and need to understand that for lots of people, relationships don't actually come all that naturally, um, that maybe we haven't been given sort of great guidelines growing up or even as adults about how to do relationships. And we maybe need to learn a whole bunch of new new skills. I think if if people are in that sort of space, there's great hope for a relationship. Um, and there are key areas um, to look at to make a relationship functional. And they're well-known and well-researched. 
Now, what about people that are looking to break up, right? Like, how do they even begin to have those conversations with their partner? You know, how do they even start the process? I would, I would think that would be a really scary time for somebody. It's it's, it's a challenging thing to do. Now, putting aside the highly dysfunctional, dangerous relationships, um, let's just say it, it's a, one of those types of relationships where. Uh, one person has decided enough is enough and it's not really for them. They don't really want to stay in the relationship. Uh, they may have even found somebody else um, um, and then they're thinking of moving on. Um, as as trite as this might sound, your best policy is being direct and open about it. Um, the, the chances are that the partner that you want to move on from has pretty much guessed what's going on. And it won't come as that much of a surprise. Uh, and actually, just sitting down and getting to the point and discussing it uh, will often be quite a relief um, to the other person because it'll move them away from what they're probably doing, which is thinking, I'm doing something wrong. I've got to change somehow and to make this relationship work. Um, my advice is if, if you're uncomfortable as an individual about sort of um, initiating that type of conversation, um, that's exactly what, you know, a good relationship therapist can help you with. They can help you with that type of conversation. So if you lack confidence about it, you can actually, you know, talk to a relationship therapist, explain what you want to do, and they should be able to help you within a couple of sessions, have healthy conversations around how to end the relationship and to move on uh, in a way that isn't destructive to everybody involved, particularly to the children, I think. You may want to think about having um, some outside help. Yeah, you know, I just as you were talking there, I couldn't help but think about, you know, yeah, it's really great if if people kind of both agree that it's time to split up. But if one person wants to split up and the other person doesn't want to split up, then you've got a problem. So is this when you seek professional yeah. counseling? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think it's always good to go and have a chat with a professional before you want to do something like this. Just to sort of check in with yourself and where you're at and maybe rehearse and practice. Uh, but certainly... If you know that your partner um, doesn't want this and is going to find it incredibly difficult and, you know, in a breakup, often there is still a lot of love. So you may be in a position where you don't really want to hurt somebody's feelings. But, but if you hold on to the relationship, the longer you hold on to the relationship, um, when eventually the break does come and inevitably will come, um, the hurt will be that much greater um, because you're more involved in that person's life. And actually, by the time you do get to the breakup, if you don't do it openly with support and cleanly, uh, you'll often have caused a lot of damage um, in the meantime and Noah, uh, because of your deeply ambivalent feelings. Noah, we need to continue this conversation right after the break. We will discuss how you can start to move on after the end of a relationship. We'll be right back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca. 
on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. We are back on the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto, with myself, Laura Bellotta, uh, and Joan Kelly Walker tonight, getting back to our chat on dating after divorce with psychotherapist Noel McDermott. Um, so let's talk about uh, moving on after the end of a relationship. Now, any kind of loss, right, takes time to get over, but I think that it's important to mourn our relationships. Uh, it's a loss, um, you know, it's a, it's a loss of, of part of yourself, really, and you need to th- take that time to heal. How can uh, we start to come to terms with this loss? Like, where do we start? Yeah, I mean, I think time is the great healer, and there are, there are a number of sort of things to think about. One is, for example, some people, the relationship effectively has ended a long time before they actually say it's over. Um, and their journey will be slightly different to somebody who um, was uh, hoping to maintain a relationship with somebody, but then realize that they can't uh, and then have to end it and then have a period of, uh, as you say, mourning and moving on. Um, so very much is going to be Somewhere along that scale, I think. Um, and then there's that type of relationship that might have broken up uh, in some sort of crisis, uh, not because it was planned or thought through. So if you think about those three ranges. If you're in sort of range one, where you've known that you're going to end this for a long time, but maybe you've been holding on because you love the person, but actually for you, the relationship ended a long time. You might find that when you formally the divorce uh, or whatever process you go through to say this is over, uh, you might find actually you're ready to start dating almost straight away. Um, The the key thing is whether you feel as an individual you have processed um, the relationship with the other person and that you're not going into a new situation um, trying to just fix the old situation. Because if you are, you're going to repeat. And repetition um, is a very uh, painful sort of um, trap to get caught into. So if you're going to the new relationship uh, with ideas about how you're going to make that different to the old relationship um, or you're just going to repeat it in some way either by the opposite of it by doing exactly the same, uh, you may want to spend some time talking to somebody about that professional Um, to figure out uh, what it is that you're doing. If you leave a relationship in crisis because a crisis has happened, uh, you really need to give yourself a significant amount of time to process whatever that crisis is. Say, for example, you discover um, that your partner has been cheating on you and you can't cope with that, you can't bear it fair enough, and you decide to end the relationship. Um, I I would say you're going to need a relatively significant period of time to come to terms with that, that sense of loss and betrayal um, and confusion about that. Um, And you may well need um, more than just friends helping you. If you're somewhere in between, you know, um, you're you're looking at a good six months before you'd want to think about it, maybe even longer, up to a year. Um, The key process, though, is that you've given yourself time to become an individuated is the term I would use. What happens in an intimate relationship with somebody um, is that very much our identities become uh, not merged or fused, but we, we become a couple uh, and we think about things. And it takes a while 
um, to get rid of that habit of thinking and being of when you're coupled up with somebody um, and when you feel comfortably sort of in your own skin, making decisions for yourself and comfortable uh, with yourself and your own company again. Once you reach that point, um, then, then finding a new partner is generally going to be quite comfortable. Um, but I think there are some questions that everybody needs to ask themselves about when the relationship ended, about um, whether they're going to go into the next one, um, just trying in some way to deal with the previous one. You need to be sure in yourself you've dealt with the issues that arose for you in the previous relationship before you uh, go into the next one. Otherwise, uh, you're just going to be running around chasing your tail, really. So I'm sure a lot of people listening would be thinking, like, you know, how do I know that what I'm feeling is normal? Like, the healing process looks different for everyone, and we all have to work through it in our own way, obviously. But people tend to go through many similar stages. And, Noel, you've talked about the six stages of relationship grief and how to get through them. So can you explain those stages to us and tell us a bit more about how it works? Okay, well, typically the stages of grief look like this. Um, periods of denial, numbness, denial, uh, then periods of very strong feelings, anger and loss, um, followed by periods then of coming to terms with and accepting the reality, um, and then a period of time in which uh, you begin to strike out again in the world. So you're not only doing the internal stuff, but you're back in the actual real world, the external world, and engaging with things. And, and that's roughly what it looks like. Um, with an actual loss of somebody, say a death of somebody, um, you can say that that period, those stages, take roughly about two years um, and um, so from start to finish, uh, from the numb to the back in the world and, and getting on with things. Uh, and it won't be as intense or difficult through that whole period of time, but roughly it takes about that length of time. And I think with depending on how long you're with the person that you're breaking up from, you might be looking at that sort of period of time, that sort of time scale again. It gets more complicated, I think, when you have children uh, in the relationship. And actually, even though uh, you might be ending the intimate partner of your partnership with somebody, you may be maintaining a co-parenting relationship, for example. Um, that will mean that this process of change and grieving actually gets elongated um, because there isn't the cutoff. So you haven't just ended something and moved on and then you focus on the grief. It becomes more complicated in situations like that. Not bad or worse, just different. And you, you might find, for example, that you have you know, complex feelings towards the, your ex-partner, the co-parent, um, for many, many years to come. And, and, and you need to be honest about that and honest about, with your new partner about what that is all about um, and, and for people to be able to sit down and discuss and talk about that. So uh, those types of things mean that the actual process of change can become quite complicated. It's also, again, if you've got children, uh, unlike, say, the loss of somebody, um, uh, you, you have to be thoughtful about how you discuss your ex-partner with them. Um, and, you know, when you go through the sort of anger of 
sort of rage phase. Why don't we talk about um, that? Why don't we talk about, um, you know, how we should be speaking to our children about our ex-partner? Yeah, I mean, again, it depends on the age of children, but the basic rule is never diss your ex in front of your kids. I mean, that's, that's the golden rule. Um, uh, you never um, dump any of this stuff on your children. Mm-hmm. What children fundamentally need, what fundamentally they need, is to understand that they exist in a love environment, that the people around them have love for them, and also, particularly with young children, that the people around them love each other. Uh, otherwise, what happens is children blame themselves. So children are very egocentric. Um, so if they detect conflict or discord around them, um, children tend to think it's because of them themselves. They're unlovable or bad in some way. Um, and it can be very, very harmful and damaging uh, for children to be around that. So um, if there are children in the mix, uh, whatever feelings you have about your ex, uh, you don't share them unless they're positive feelings about your ex in front of them. Um and you deal with those feelings elsewhere if you've got negative and difficult feelings. Um, but in fact, you know, it is complicated because the inability to do that sort of processing at a relationship level may be the reason why you've ended the relationship because your ex can't sort of parent well as a, as a, as a couple and, and, and does engage in splitting and spikes and things like that. So it, it can be complicated, but I think the the idea is this, that I need to keep my side of the street clean and I need to make sure I'm okay with my behaviour. I can't control somebody else's behaviour. As long as I do that, the kids will be all right around me. Uh, I can't necessarily force my ex. Um, to sort of behave in in a in a positive way, but but I need to role model that around my kids. Right, I love all of that, but far too many um, parents don't listen to that. Right, they play the children off each other, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> it's just it's horrible. Yeah, um, yeah. and it sounds and the kid sometimes becomes like someone that the parent confides in and, and dumps a lot of information on. Yeah. So people have a hard time yeah, following that. We call that emotional. We call that emotional incest, um, and and it's incredibly damaging, folks. You just have to hold your boundaries around children. Um, I mean, it changes to some extent, depending on the age. You've got adult children, say in their twenties or thirties. Uh, and they have their own family. Um, they have the capacity to have uh, a different type of relationship to you as their parent. Um, but younger children, anybody below sort of, you know, um, 16, 17, I would say, um, you have to be really, really careful, really careful. Um, and, and even with adult children, um, it's maybe unfair to ask them, to um, sort of deal with your stuff around the divorce or the ending of the relationship. Um, because um, these are parents. Those, how we internalize those relationships with children um, is psychologically very, very different to any other relationship we have for the rest of our lives. Because our parents are around crucially 
um, prior to the age of five in most people's lives. Um, and that means that our parents' psychology becomes very much part of our own psychology. Um, and that's very, very different to me as an adult starting an intimate relationship with somebody. I have a fully formed mind um, and I can make decisions and choices about how much of that person I am in. But a child doesn't have that. Yeah, so it's so important then to try and keep things amicable for the children as it really is damaging for children to see their parents not getting along. So key, key, key message. Um, Well, we're going to take a break. Just keep keep it clean for yourself. If you keep your own side of the street clean... That's 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 the focus that you need to have, folks. Yeah. We need to take a break. When we come back, we're going to chat about, um, you know, how you can tell if you're ready to, to date and get back out there again after divorce and a breakup. We'll be right back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bilotta, joined tonight by Joan Kelly Walker. And our guest tonight is Noel McDermott, um, discussing how to tell if you're ready to get back out there after a divorce. And, uh, Noel, I have to ask, you know, one of the biggest questions that always comes up for those who've recently gone through a divorce is, how do you know that you're ready to get back out there and start dating again? Um, I think one of the sort of things that you can use, like the litmus paper test that you can use, is whether or not you're still obsessively thinking about your um, If you're not, and if you're thinking about yourself and thinking about your life, and the people that are important in your life and your job and stuff like that, uh, you're probably ready um, to go out and start dating. And crucially, you're not going to be too boring to start dating with because there's nothing quite as much of a turn-off as um, somebody just talking about their ex um, and, and going out on a dinner date with somebody and all they can talk about. And I can't care that how many people and you know what? You can't. I can't believe how many people actually still do it. It, it floors me. Your mouth? Did your ex just come out of your mouth on a first date? Really? Why? <laughs> it happens a lot. Yeah, they didn't get the message. Apparently, you're not ready to date. If that's what happens, go home. Um, dating uh, is, I, I guess, the idea of dating. Is that you want to have fun, you want to meet somebody that's fun. Um, if you're in that mindset, go for it. I mean, there's no time scale. It's just about where is your head at uh, and where are you at. Um, and um, uh, people talk about getting involved with somebody so they can forget somebody else. Um, I've never seen that work, ever, under any circumstances. I you think as well, you know. If you're hanging on to a lot of angry feelings towards your ex, I don't think you're ready to start dating. If you are waking up every morning, going to sleep at night, and the first thing you do and the last thing you do is you're creeping your ex on social media, you're not ready to start dating. So just wanted to throw that out yeah. there. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and in some ways, it's, it's a lot of anger 
and, and there's stuff that hasn't been processed, and probably a lot of your own stuff that hasn't been processed. Um, I'm just cautious about saying this, because there are like situations in which somebody has behaved badly towards us, and it's perfectly reasonable for us to feel angry, hurt, and upset about that for a long time to come. But um, let's say that hasn't happened, and you still have a lot of anger about uh, your ex, because they wouldn't be what you wanted. Um, but maybe you need to ask yourself some questions there with the help of somebody else, a professional, so you can look at uh, what, what's your baggage within that that you can unpack and sort of repack in a more comfortable way so that you're not carrying it around, uh, like, um, you know, dragging it behind you like a millstone. Yeah. Well, I think that it's important to ask yourself, you know, a set of questions like you're you're saying before you even start dating again. Like, you know, am I ready to date again? Am I really over my ex? You know, and figure out what went wrong in your past relationships. Why did it end? You know, what worked in those relationships? What type of relationship are you currently looking for? What do you want out of a relationship? Yeah. So what are the most important things for you to find in a partner in that new relationship, you know, what are the deal breakers? What are the things that you're not going to budge on? And what are some of the traits that you've seen in past partners that you truly, truly want to avoid? And I think the most important question that we need to ask ourselves too is, do I even want to be in a relationship? Some people, they're so used to being in a relationship, right? Know that they, they, that's, that's all they've known. So they just want to rush into a new one. Meanwhile, it's like, um, yeah, maybe they don't even really want serial monogamist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or serial killer, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think what we forget to do is use the end of a relationship as the gift that it might be for us. And that gift is that we aren't having to sort of think about somebody else. We're just having to think about ourselves. And we can have a period of time in which to do that and have a real sense of um, getting to know ourselves again uh, and resetting our own personal priorities in life. Um, and then thinking about, well, well, does that now mean I want to share that with somebody else? Because as you say, it may be that you don't want to and you don't want to for some time because um, making a decision to be single for a while uh, is a positive decision for, for many people, and that's okay. Um, and you may want to look at other types of relationships. We probably don't have time to go into them, but, but it's okay, for example, to think about, well, I might have um, intimate sexual relationships with somebody that aren't aimed at long-term, for example, but they're aimed at me having a nice time with somebody with two adults. Uh, maybe we share some interests and we want to go and do those uh, light touch for a while um, uh, and uh, and explore that aspect of yourself, for example. But I, I think coming back to your point, what's cru crucial is to ask yourself, why am I dating? Do I know why I'm doing it? And am I doing it for positive reasons for myself? Hmm. So we're talking a lot about self-evaluation, like saying, am I ready? Have I gone through all these stages? But what if you start dating someone? How do you recognize if they're ready? Like, how do you protect yourself that way? Sure. I mean, that, that I think, you know, I, I sort of 
because I'm a psychotherapist, I use these odd terms like assessments, intake assessments. I mean, I think we should be doing that type of thing. There are certain types of red flags when we meet somebody um, that, that we need to sort of be thoughtful about, you know, in terms of if somebody's had a very traumatic background or they've had a history of addiction or da 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 And you know about this. I mean, I think you need to be asking some serious questions about that. Um, about that. But I think if that stuff is not there, I think one of the core things that uh, needs to be shared is the idea that life is a journey. I individually am a journey, um, and that I want to share this idea of process and change with somebody. It's not certain outcomes and goals that I want to share with somebody, but that that we can share with each other this sense of um, personal growth and discovery, and do that as a couple for example, uh, accepting that the, the only thing that we can guarantee in life is that things are going to change. We need to take a break after this message. We're going to be talking about how you can get back out there and things to keep in mind as you do so. Don't go anywhere. Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show. This is Global News Radio 640 Toronto with myself, Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca and media personality and philanthropist Joan Kelly Walker. Our special guest this week is Noel McDermott, psychotherapist. Um, we're going to get back to our chat right now on how you can put yourself back out there and date, you know, after the end of a relationship. So, Noah, let's chat about people who are getting themselves back out there after being in a long-term relationship. Dating, again, can be so, so intimidating, especially when you haven't done so in a long time. I mean, the landscape has changed immensely. I, if anybody knows that, it's me. <laughs> um, the way we approach dating is differently. Um, and, you know, and I think that it can really hold people back from trying again. So I often give advice on this subject, but I would love to hear your perspective. What advice do you have for people in this situation? People who are trying to get themselves back out there again in this crazy dating landscape. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's sort of, I think one of the biggest changes, and you know this, um, is the sort of um, the fact of all these dating apps sort of now come out. <gasps> and it's turned, I know, it's, and it's translating <laughs> into this sort of numbers game um, where you've got so many potential people to meet. In reality, though, not much has changed in terms of um, when you actually arrange to meet up with people and then you go through the process of getting to know somebody. Um, I think the, the crucial thing that people need to hold, hold on to um, is a sense of their authentic self and what their needs are and what their wants are, and not to um, and not to um, give up on that, and not yeah. to sell themselves short, uh, and to when they're meeting people, be authentically, honestly yourself. And if the person in front of you can't cope with that, 
that tells you as much as you need to know, uh, and it's a friendly goodbye at that point. Um, because I don't think any of us need somebody in our life uh, who can't meet us authentically and lovingly as we are. Um, and it may well have been that the reason why we got divorced is because um, the person we're with hadn't been able to grow with us authentically in that way. And so we found ourselves in a relationship that just uh, wasn't validating us individually as humans. Um, and so starting in dating again, don't sell yourself short. And I would say don't get intimidated by these apps and the fact that it seems like there's hundreds of thousands of millions of people to choose from. Actually, I think the, the healthy way to think about dating apps is it's just an easy way of doing an introduction. And that's all it is. Um, don't take that bit too seriously. But when you're sitting in front of somebody, um, you've got to trust your got and instincts about whether or not they are genuinely related to you and seem genuinely interested in you as a human being. And what you're bringing to the table. So, Noel, you brought up the idea of uh, like trusting your guts and instincts, and truth drop, and the pursuit of healthy love. All of those things are so positive, but you know you have to realize there isn't a rule book for relationships. So, can you talk a little bit more about how you maintain that positivity as we go in to date again? Okay. Well. I think there are certain core things um, about relating intimately as one human being to another human being. Um, that is having a sense of our own boundaries, having a sense of the boundaries, having a sense of interest, um, having a sense of things that you want to achieve. Um, and it's perfectly reasonable to use that as some sort of checklist, um, not a real book, but, but to make sure that people meet you on those levels. So you want to be with somebody who, you know, has an interest in you as a human being and has an interest in what you do in life and has an interest and shares similar values. Um, if that isn't shared, then those values and interests aren't shared. Um, the relationship is unlikely to go very far, to be honest. And I'm not necessarily thinking about, you know, you have to share the same political parties, you know, you can have different political parties, but, but just having different political parties doesn't mean you have different values as a human being. So you may have values about um, the value of life and the value of the arts and the value of uh, intellect, etc., etc. Um, and if the person that you're wanting to share something with doesn't share those values, um, it, it's time to move on. Um, there are other issues in terms of can the person in front of you respect the types of boundaries that you need in your life? So uh, will they give you the space with your friends, for example, without trying to control and interfere in that? Um, will they respect the fact that you have a career and you have other interests that you want to pursue? Uh, or will they demand that you give those things up so that um, you're focusing more on them? So you're right, there isn't, there isn't a rule there, but the but there is a set of things you can hold on to around yourself, your own needs, um, and uh, ensuring that somebody has a respect for those. And if they don't have respect for that, um, then it's going to be very difficult to see how the relationship can um, survive in any way. I love every single thing that you said. I agree with 
every single thing that you said. <laughs> um, and But this week's show is over. Noel, I loved absolutely everything you said, and I totally agree. Now, finally, what are some of the most important things that you, that you think people should keep in mind as they uh, date after divorce? How can they give themselves the best chance at success? Just like three top tips. Three top tips. Know your attachment style and where your anxieties are and make sure you don't play to your anxieties. Um, have value and love for yourself and your own authentic being and never ever compromise on that. And be open, clear, and honest in the way that you communicate with the person in front of you. Thank you so much, Noel. Where can people get a hold of you if they would like to learn more about all the amazing things that you do? Okay, so um, you can just check out my website. It's www.noelmcdermott.net. Okay, thank you so much. And Joan, where can we get a hold of you? Uh Joan Kelly Walker official on Instagram or my website is joankellywalker.com. Awesome. And I am hosting a virtual dating summit, Redesign Your Love Life, the Ultimate Singles Dating Seminar on January 28th to the 30th of 2022 with 14 dating and relationship experts. Um, If you're someone who's struggling with their dating life, uh, we will help you become more aware of what is holding you back from ultimately attracting the person that you are meant to be with. If you would like more information on the seminar, either send me a message on Instagram um, with the words live events. My handle is official Laura Bellotta or check out singleinthecity.ca the link is at the top of the homepage also check out singleinthecity.ca to learn more about my matchmaking services and put an end to your single status thank you everybody for tuning in each and every week ciao